0: Following is a chapter reading by the Worm Audiobook Project. Please support the original author at parahumans.wordpress.com. Thank you and enjoy. You can call me Weaver. The broadcast ended. A hushed tone took hold of everyone present, a silence that deepened when someone muted the television. The spell was broken by one of the kids, Ephiram. She's going to be a hero? She's going to try, Forrest answered. Charlotte looked around at the collected residents of the boardwalk. It was customary now to have a block party every third night of the week. A mass barbecue, a bonfire on the beach, or some other big meal that would bring everyone together. Community. Skitter's community. Though Skitter was gone in more senses than one, Taylor had turned herself in early in the day, and word had spread. They'd hooked up a television, the biggest they could get their hands on, and set it up beneath a waterproof tent for good measure. For the better part of the day, they watched. People had stopped by, glancing at the latest news. Any update, however large or small, was met by shouted alerts, by hollers and speculation. Charlotte had taken the day off school, taking only the necessary time to see the little ones off and to bring them back. She wouldn't have been able to focus, anyways, and the schools were still being lenient. And now, finally, this? It's done, Charlotte said, for better or worse. For better, Forrest said. I'm not so sure, Charlotte said, lowering her voice so others wouldn't hear. She's a hero, Forrest said. This is where she's supposed to be. Maybe, Charlotte answered. She couldn't help but think of how scary Taylor had been when she dealt with the ABB thugs. How easily the girl had slipped into her role as a leader of the territory. But even if it's where she's meant to go, they won't necessarily accept her. Doesn't matter, Forrest said. It's out of our hands. We'll wish her the best, give her some moral support if they let her get fan letters, and handle our own business so she doesn't have to worry about us. And speaking of handling our own business... Forrest directed a pointed look at the kids who were sitting around Charlotte. Right, she said. I'll be along to see the lads, Forrest said. Just have to clean up first. Charlotte nodded. Bedtime for the little ones. She rose from the bench. Show's over. Come on, it's time to go to bed. There were groans and grumbles here and there. Charlotte knew who it was without looking. She identified Mason, set a hand on top of his head, and pulled him closer to her as she walked back to their place. Be good. Mason mimicked the exact same groan he'd given a moment ago. So dumb, Kathy was saying. She was one of the older children, looking after Jessie and Aiden. I've never had to go to bed this early before. It's easier, Charlotte said, and we can all use an earlier bedtime. It leaves us in better shape to face tomorrow, don't you think? I wasn't talking to you," Kathy said. Kathy and Mason were the most likely to fight, to challenge her. When she was hurrying to get them out to the bus stop for school, it was Mason who would decide he'd suddenly forgot how to tie his shoes, or who would drag his feet to force her to seize his hand and pull him along. He needed that attention in moments of crisis, however small. Kathy was the opposite. Charlotte hadn't uncovered the details, but the girl had been burned by someone in authority and rebelled against it as a matter of habit. Kathy wanted to be independent, but she was too young. "'You were complaining about something I said.' Kathy glared at her. "'I could stay up, watch TV for another hour or two, and then go to bed. I'd be quiet.' "'And what if you were too tired to look after Aiden and Jessie, hm? Kathy scowled, but she didn't reply. Jessie wet the bed most nights. She never came to Charlotte to let her know. More than once, Charlotte had found the girl sleeping on the floor when morning came. Aidan had nightmares that left him screaming and wailing well after he'd woken up, refusing to listen to her. More than once he'd actually had nightmares while sleepwalking. It was hard to deal with, frankly. She'd taken to setting her alarm for one, three, and five o'clock in the morning, rising from bed and checking in to make sure the kids were all right that Jessie's bed was dry. It was embarrassing to admit, but there had been four occasions where she'd been terrified as she had run into Aiden, standing in the bathroom or sitting at the table in the kitchen. Each time, he'd been griped by whatever terrors it was that found him at night time. Half the time, he fought her. The other half the time, he just screamed, blood-curdling. Kathy, a little more than half Charlotte's age, took it in stride almost thrived on looking after the younger ones. She had endless patience with Jessie's nighttime accidents, and virtually every time Aidan's screams woke her, Kathy was already at his side, speaking calmly, waiting until he'd relax enough that she could hug and cuddle him. They made their way inside, and Charlotte was sure to close the shutters just behind the front door. Aidan watched carefully as she fed the chain through the ring at the base of the door and the small gap in the floor. She locked it, then tugged it for good measure demonstrating how secure it was. Safe, she said. Wordless, his forehead creased with the sort of worry he shouldn't have for another fifteen years. Aidan turned and walked away. "'Girls in the bath first, snacks afterwards,' Charlotte said. "'Boys, cookies and milk before you bathe.'" The O'Dalley clan had collected their kids. Most of their kids. Finally. It left the number more manageable. Kathy, May, and Jessie made their way to the bathroom, Aiden, Ephirim, Ethan, and Mason found stools at the kitchen counter, while Ben, the oldest of the boys, got the cookies, glasses, and milk out. Charlotte checked on the girls to make sure they were getting along okay, then shut the bathroom door and got her laptop out. Welcome to the Parahumans Online Message Board. You are currently logged in, Char. You are viewing Threads on subscribed boards Last 12 Topics Only Sticky Topic Alexandria Discussion July 14th Goes Here Topic Alexandria Dead Topic Chevalier's New PRT Versus Endbringer Topic What the fuck happened Topic Skitter Topic The Endbringers Thread XXXIV Topic Dragon Suits Continued Escalation of Cape Militarization Topic Weaver Topic Undersiders Topic Alexandria died topic Issues with recruiting villains topic Portal confirmed OK by Chev twenty eleven dash zero seven dash fourteen She's famous, Charlotte said aloud. Because she was on TV? This from Aiden. Because she was a bad guy and she turned it around and decided to be good, Charlotte said. And because she helped beat Alexandria. It's controversial stuff, and I think people are going to be arguing about it for a long time. She's not a bad guy, Ben said, taking a seat beside the other boys. Was too, Ephiram said. She was scary and mean, Ben said. But she's not bad. They're the same thing. It doesn't matter, Charlotte said. She got us pizza, Ben said. That's all that matters to me. That sounds like enough reasoning, Charlotte said, smiling a little. She left the laptop to visit the bathroom, calling through the door. Five minutes, then out! She could hear another grumble from Kathy. They'd do better if left to their own devices. Kathy would be happier with something to do, even if it was washing the hair of the younger girls and ensuring they brushed their teeth. She returned to the kitchen, collecting the plates and glasses and putting them in the dishwasher. A car horn outside caught her attention. It wasn't easy to get cars in and out of the area, with the streets still under repair. And the vehicles that were around were construction vehicles, which didn't work this late at night. The horn sounded again, and there were shouts in response. She was still staring at the door, straining to make out something telling when Ethan approached her. Do you need me to run an errand? No, Ethan. Now might not be a good time. There were more noises outside voices okay he said he looked disappointed if you want some fresh air i can let you upstairs you can sit on the balcony ethan frowned no no thanks just give me five minutes she said ben lock the shutters after me i'll come through the doors downstairs when i return let kathy and the girls know i'll be back ben nodded she didn't raise the shutters all the way stooping beneath and holding it partially closed Ben wasn't strong enough to lower it on his own, and the outside didn't have any real handholds. With Ben's help, she still managed to press her hands against a broad ship of metal and pushed it to ground level. There was a sound of the chain rattling through the gaps. People were active, gathering in clusters and crowds. The focus of attention? A news van. The news crew was surrounded. Word out, the reporter was saying. People are going to make a lot of ugly assumptions. Just go! Someone shouted, turn the camera off and leave. The reporter, a tall blond man with a broad jaw, only smiled. I'd almost think you guys had something to hide. We want to be left alone, Charlotte said. Not gonna happen, the reporter said. This is blowing up. People are going to want to investigate every last scrap of dirt. Even if I left, others would come. We'll tell them the same thing we told you, she said. She saw Forrest approaching, making his way through the crowd. That we had school and work all day, and that everyone here was working on rebuilding and we're tired. We're not interested in the scandal of the moment. Working hard, the reporter asked. What if I offered, say, 200 bucks to whoever gave me the most information? We tell you to fuck off, Forrest cut in before anyone could take the deal. World wants to know. What is she really like? The reporter asked. $200, your face on camera! If you love her, don't you want people across America to hear something good? Best support you can give. If you hated her, well, the opposite is true, isn't it? You'd twist our words around, Forrest said. Edit it to take the choicest bits. That'd be dishonest. It's not the way we work at Channel 12. No, Forrest said. I think you're primarily interested in what gets viewers and ratings. Maybe you'd stick around for two hours, interviewing everyone you could, and then take the most controversial and extreme statements. Only way we don't play into your hands is if NOBODY OPENS THEIR MOUTH." He raised his voice a little at the final statement. That's so?' the reporter asked. $300! That's, what, two or three days' pay? With the kind of wages you earn here? Forrest didn't respond. ''Okay,'' the reporter said. ''Well, there's nothing stopping us from sitting around, is there?'' ''And if someone decides that they'd like to earn a little extra cash?'' ''They'd have to be pretty stupid,'' Forrest said. ''Property values are set to soar here, and the way things are organized, just about everyone here is slated to earn a property or share of property somewhere down the road.'' ''And you're saying this has nothing to do with the fact that you all worked for a supervillain?'' "'I'm not saying anything one way or the other,' Forrest said. "'Except that the numbers don't add up. Three hundred dollars now, or get a share of a place that could be worth millions a few years down the road.'" "'People are enterprising,' the reporter said. He smiled. "'And I can be discreet. "'The public needs to know who's protecting them.' He turned, returning to the passenger side door of the van, then paused. "'We'll be parked on the beach. "'We can blur out your faces if we need to.'" It took them a minute to get their camera packed away and leave. Sure enough, they made their way to the beach. Charlotte could see the headlights illuminating the sand. Then they went out, and the van was effectively invisible. "'Guards,' Forrest said. "'Take shifts. We're not giving them anything!' "'You're wanting to protect Skidder?' Someone asked from the crowd. "'I worked for her,' Forrest said. Most of you know that. In a way, I still think I worked for her even if she isn't here anymore. A lot of us owe her. She brought us as much trouble as she stopped, the person said. Charlotte could see it was a tall man who'd hidden a receding hairline and bald spot by shaving his head. There was only stubble now. She made it possible to rebuild, Scott. Everyone's rebuilding. We got a head start, that's all. You're saying that's worth it? Mannequin came here because of her. Burnscar came here because of her. Or you didn't hear. Forrest folded his arms. Scott said, My sister-in-law worked for the PRT. Wears a uniform. She said the Slaughterhouse Nine were here because they were recruiting. They picked a bunch of people across the city, trying to recruit them, and Skitter was one. Obviously. So it's her fault the people died here. The help she gave? She was probably guilty. We don't know that for sure, Forrest said. Bullshit! You were there that first time when Mannequin was in the warehouse on Shell. He was wagging his finger at her. Why? He was there for her. I was there, Forrest said. Remember? I stepped up. I dragged that bastard to where he could tie his head up. I smashed his head with a concrete block. And I won't deny that, Scott answered. I would have been right there with you if I didn't have my wife and kids to protect. We both saw how it played out. Going by what my sister-in-law said, you wouldn't have had to do that if Skidder had been somewhere else. I would have, Forrest said. I know Skidder, Taylor, Weaver, whatever you call her. We've talked. Talked a lot. I've heard her side of things, and I know you're off base. You're saying my family's lying? Scott asked, raising his voice a touch. Or maybe you're blind. Can't see what's going on because of your own basic, underlying bias. Scott approached, moving through the crowd. He was clearly irritated. A big guy, undoubtedly a dock worker, breathing just a little harder than normal. Charlotte found herself biting her lip and backing away as he drew closer. Her stomach twisted as he passed her, as though it were a towel someone was wringing out. Not an unfamiliar sensation. For a moment, she could imagine him in her face hooting, hollering, a vein standing out on his bald head. The wrenching got worse at the idea until it felt like everything below her shoulder was being crushed. The crowd around her was too much now, too evocative. She fled, pushing her way through the crowd. For every part of her that wanted to follow the discussion, there was another part that could hear the discordant music blaring, could hear the yelling, smell the sweat, the smoke and incense. She'd seen what people were like when everything else was stripped away. Not everyone. Not always, but often enough. It was easy to descend to that level. Taylor had offered security, strength, and the ruthlessness necessary to cut out the cancer. It wasn't rational to think this way. Charlotte knew, generally speaking, that the people here were good. The bad ones had been scared off, or cut out of the deal that kept everyone else loyal. On a less rational level? She hated the idea that this place could dissolve into that, into what the merchants had become. She was upset, she wasn't thinking straight, and she couldn't afford to return to the kids like this. Ben and Kathy would look after the littlest ones for five more minutes. She could keep walking, burn off this nervous energy, and get in a better head sp- Miss? She jumped, swiftly backing away. It was a man, thin, with glasses, reaching out, groping greedily for a hand of flesh. No, to get her attention, nothing more. His hand dropped to his side. Are you a reporter? I... do I look like a reporter? He looked anxious, and the expression was unrelated to his question. No, she said. I was asking around for someone who knew Taylor. Someone told me to look for a girl about your height, with long, dark hair like yours, with kids around her. I was going to ask some more, but then the crowd came, and I decided to hang back. So he is here to ask questions, but he said Taylor instead of Skitter. You really aren't a reporter? If you know who they were talking about, maybe you could point me in the right direction? Charlotte frowned. They were talking about me. What do you want? I'm her father, Danny. Oh, she could see the resemblance now that she knew to look for it. Both he and Taylor were above average height. Both were narrow. She must have gotten her hair and mouth from her mom, though. Okay, she said. She forced herself to relax the touch. He's safe. Mostly. Ugh. <sighs> she exhaled as she spoke, and her breath caught. She was still a little out of sorts. Are you okay? She shook her head. Yes. You're sure? A lot to deal with all at once. Yes. She glanced up at him, saw how troubled he looked. Do you drink tea? Coffee. We can do coffee, she said. She reached into her back pocket for her phone. Stand still. He looked confused as she turned the phone his way. The flash went off. What's going on? He asked. Protocols, she said. Protocols? She typed out a text and sent the text, picture included, to Tattletale. I worked for her. Oh. Oh, come on. Well, um, we'll hear soon if you're okay to come inside, but I have to head back that way anyways. He nodded. Why aren't you with her? she asked as they started walking. Things turned ugly. Oh, Alexandria? I only just found out about Alexandria. Maybe I shouldn't say, but things don't seem to add up. What people were saying before, what happened, and what seems to have happened after. Yeah, she said, though she didn't quite understand. All the way through this, I told myself I'd trust her. That she was the same child my wife and I raised for the last 16 years. That things were muddled, but she was the same person deep down inside. Isn't she? I'm not so sure anymore. The phone vibrated. Charlotte checked. Tattletale, a okay. Treat him well. You're clear to come inside, Charlotte said. She used her hand to indicate a change of direction, leading him towards the beach. All this secrecy. It's necessary? I thought she left. We still have enemies. People who'd want to hurt her by hurting us. We have to stay safe. He fell silent. What? I hadn't really been thinking along those lines. About the greater scale of things, my life being at risk because I'm connected to her. You'll learn, Charlotte said. You'll learn to think that way. Why? I mean, I don't have a choice, but you... you could walk away from this, and you haven't. I can't walk away from this, Charlotte said. I'm probably more tied up in this than you are. How's that? She glanced down the beach. The people who were watching out for those who might talk to the reporter were far enough away. Still, it would be a bad idea to use her flashlight. She reached into her pocket and pulled out a glove, pulling it on. You'll see in a minute. Hold my hand and don't let go. Neither of us want you to get turned around in here. Not so much room to get lost, but yeah. She could barely see him in the gloom. There were no lights on in the beach. Still, when she reached out for his hand, he took it. Holding tight, carefully, Charlotte led Taylor's father into the storm drain. Her gloved hand traced the wall. First right, skip the next right, with a few seconds of nerve racking isolation in the darkness. Then follow the wall. One right, turn left at the T-junction. They ascended to the cellar first, and then up to the living room. "Is a house? he asked. He looked even more bewildered than before as he took in the particulars. The living room with the young girls clustered on one couch, boys on the other couch, and the floor, the appliances, the stacks of boxed-up food that had yet to be unpacked. Children? Orphans, Charlotte said, keeping her voice low. Both May and Ephiram could break down in tears at the slightest reminder of their departed parents. I've been looking after them. You can't do that. Not like this. Without certification. Others checking in. I know, she said. It's only for a little while longer. This is why you can't leave? Part of it. There's more. This is what she was doing all this time? Taking care of these children? That was only a small part of it. She mostly paid me to look after them and made sure people got the food they needed. She looked after everyone. When they were all in the worst situations they'd ever faced, struggling for food, worrying every hour if they'd be attacked or preyed on, she stepped up. You're trying to defend her. To justify what she did. Only a little. Ethan approached. He gave Taylor's dad a curious look. It's Taylor's dad, Charlotte explained. Danny, Danny said. Oh, Ethan said. He looked down at the floor. Do you want to run an errand for me? Charlotte asked. Ethan nodded, still not making eye contact. Charlotte could see how he'd set his jaw, so stern for a little man. Go tell Forrest that Skitter's daddy is here. And if anyone approaches you to ask questions, you don't answer, okay? No matter how nice they seem, don't say a word and blow your whistle. There are reporters out there we don't want to talk to. Ethan nodded. Don't take too long, she warned. The little boy, no older than eight, opened the front door and unchained the shutters. A moment later, he was gone into the night. Is that okay? Danny asked. A little boy going out alone after dark. The area's safe. The people know each other. It's a community, and the community will look after the kids. Besides, he's got a whistle in case he gets into trouble. It almost looked like he was asking for an errand. He was. Danny gave her a curious look. Charlotte walked around the kitchen counter to get into the kitchen, starting the water boiling for the coffee. She still had a habit of keeping the kettle full for Taylor. Ethan's bottling up a lot of hurt, but he's convinced himself that big boys shouldn't cry, and nothing will convince him otherwise. For now, I'll let him take 5 to 20 minutes longer than he should when I tell him to go do something, and I won't say a word if he comes back with red eyes and a runny nose. If he needs to find a quiet place to cry on his own, that's okay. There has to be a better way to handle it, Danny said. His eyes were still roving, as if trying to find and identify Taylor's signature touches on the surroundings. There probably is, but for now, it works for him, and it works for me. The other kids... She lowered her voice a fraction. They all have their individual needs. Some get aggressive, some internalize it, have nightmares or, or what the bed. Others withdraw. Danny sighed. Kids are hard, aren't they? Yeah, Charlotte said. Then she changed her mind. No? No? People are hard to deal with. Maybe you're right, he said. You should really be with her. I was there, Danny said. I told myself that I'd stand by her. And then... All at once, it wasn't... her. I've seen her in a crisis, after her mom died. She was one of those people who withdrew. When she was bullied at school, she withdrew. But there, at the PRT headquarters? That wasn't her. It was, Charlotte said. Maybe you lost sight of who she was becoming somewhere down the line. I don't think anyone would fault you with the secret she was keeping. No, Danny said. I don't think it was her. Not really. For just a minute, she became a monster. We all have a monster somewhere inside us, Charlotte said. Like I was saying about the kids, Sometimes it's aggressive, sometimes it finds other forms of attack, and other times it's a cowardly one. Like mine. Danny sighed. You don't agree? I'm still off target? I don't know. I think maybe you're right. I've got my own demons. But, whatever monster that was, it was a big one. Charlotte didn't have an answer to that. There was a knock on the shutter, then it raised a fraction. Forrest stepped inside, growled, and made threatening gestures as the kids practically leapt off of their couches and swarmed him. He gave Danny a funny look. "'Taylor's dad,' Charlotte said. "'Nice to meet you,' Forrest said. He waded through the cluster of kids and, straight-legged, he leaned over to the kitchen counter to shake Danny's hand. "'Right, Rugrats. If you stand up to pee, get yourselves in the bath pronto!' "'I can pee standing up,' May said. "'A girl at school showed me how!' Then, if you think action figures are better than dolls. I think army men are better than dolls, May said. Then let's go with those who'd rather be a baseball player than a princess. I. May stopped short, shrieking as Forrest swept her up in his arms. I get the point, he said. As penance, I'm letting you ride on my shoulders. May squealed in glee. With a blindfold in the case the menfolk are bashful. Move along, Tykes. Ben, Afiram and Aiden made their way into the bathroom, followed by Forrest, with May sitting on his shoulders. Forrest practically had to get on his knees to get through the doorway without hitting May's head on the doorframe. The door shut behind him. Coffee will be done in a few minutes, Charlotte said, making sure things were set up. She moved to the living room and beckoned for Kathy to come closer. Kathy scowled but obeyed, sitting behind Charlotte as Charlotte set to brush out her hair. I couldn't recognize my own daughter, Danny said every step of the way i've wanted to help her but i didn't know how did she say anything about me no charlotte said she could see danny's face fall but she said she acted on it when it came down to it she wanted to spend time with you even if it meant that all the rest of this was harder when it came down to it he said she chose her friends over me she chose to fight to go all out instead of making a concession and possibly coming home at some point, figure things, Charlotte said, i the rest of us feel a little betrayed too, but we're little more than specks with the sheer scale of stuff she's focused on. Danny sighed, I came here to make a decision to work up some courage, but I feel as conflicted as ever, worse, if anything, a decision. Taylor has to join the wards, if she's going to join an official team, her lawyer got into contact with me to let me know that there are certain procedures. She needs a parent, guardian, notary, or a person in authority to vouch for her. It has to be someone who's otherwise free of connections to superheroes or supervillains, someone that knows her and can testify about her character. Do it. I'm wondering if I should. Charlotte gave him a hard look. He took it without flinching. My number one instinct is to keep my daughter safe. If she went to juvenile detention, it would. It wouldn't be good, but it'd keep her out of the line of fire. It'd stop her from going down this reckless path. She'd hate you, Charlotte said. She'd still love you, but she'd be angry. She'd be safe, he said. Charlotte didn't have much to say in response to that. She turned her attention to the girls instead. Five more minutes of cartoons, then bed. I'll fix your hair in just a second, okay, Jesse?' Jesse nodded. "'I could, if it would make it easier,' Danny offered. Charlotte felt that twang of alarm at the notion of a relative stranger touching her kids. She could rationalize that this was Taylor's dad, but... Jesse made the decision for her, standing and approaching Danny before sitting beside him. Charlotte tossed the man a hairbrush. For long minutes, they worked on combing through the knots and tangles. Kathy made sure to grunt with every one. The boys exited the bathroom, each with a towel wrapped around them, while Forrest carried a squealing, giggling may under one arm and a sock tight over her eyes. Her hair now dried and combed straight. You're better than Char, Jessie said as Danny finished. She hopped down from the armrest of the chair before scampering off to the bedroom. Traitor, Charlotte muttered after Jessie was gone. Kathy followed the girls, taking Jessie's hand after catching up. There was a pause. "'If she needs you, you should help her,' Charlotte said. "'I'm just not sure what helping her entails,' Danny replied. Charlotte rose to pour the coffee. Her phone glowed with a fresh text. She stared down at it. "'Shit,' she said. "'What?' Danny asked. "'Company,' she answered. "'Enemies? Danger? "'Worse, allies!' Sierra said from the front door. Charlotte turned to see her friend, Sierra. The girl still had her red hair bound in dreads, but the rest of her was all professional attire. Nice shoes, slacks, a blue dress shirt, and just a little makeup. Sierra approached, arms reaching out to hug Charlotte. Charlotte welcomed the hug, murmuring the words, ''I missed you.'' But her eyes were still on the doorway. Tattletail stepped into the front hallway, followed by Gru and the pairings of Imp and Regent, Parian and Fletchette. A superhero? Here? After a brief pause, Bitch entered as well, glowering, looking fit to murder something or someone. Her appearance was at stark odds with the puppies that followed her, each at the end of a differently colored leash. Danny stood, eyes widening as he recognized the people entering the room. Long time no see, Danny, Tattletail said. Lisa, he answered. There was no warmth in his tone. Tattletail while I'm in costume, please, she said. She flashed a grin and he didn't return it. Grew extended a hand to Danny. It took the man a second to accept it. He watched the group warily. "'What's going on?' Charlotte asked. "'Need to watch your phone,' Tattlesail said. "'I sent you a string of texts.' "'I was busy looking after the kids and talking with Danny.' "'Right,' Tattlehill said. She made her way to one couch, then laid down. "'Damn, hell of a day. Not enough sleep.' already feeling like shit, and then this gets dropped on us. What's going on? Charlotte asked again. You mean what's going on here or what's going on in general? Generally, our commander-in-chief just affected to the White Hats. Here, Charlotte said. Why are you here? We're just getting the kids off to bed. Loose ends, Tattletail said. A few here, a few there, Skitter's gone, and she's liable to spend time in prison before she joins the wards, and she won't be able to visit for a while, even after that. I want to get this done as we can, so I can sleep for a few days straight and wake up feeling better." Charlotte frowned. Tattletail had taken up one couch. Gru was sitting in another, and she didn't want to sit down next to him. She was forced to stand, but standing and being part of the conversation meant standing in a place where her back was to Bitch, to Perrin and Fletchette, who were sitting on stools by the kitchen counter, and to Regent and Imp, who were rifling through the cabinets and drawers in search of snacks. I have to ask, why the puppies, Charlotte asked, glancing at Bitch. Tattletail said, too. That's not exactly right, Tattletail said. It's what you said, Bitch responded, sounding irritated. I recommended puppy therapy. Tattlehill said. Everyone loves puppies, so maybe it's a way to deal with when we're feeling a bit lonely. Bitch looked at Charlotte. You miss her? Um, yes? Bitch bent down, grabbing a puppy with one hand, then thrusted it into Charlotte's arms. She started to withdraw her hand, pausing, then said, It's alone. Of course, Charlotte said. She held the puppy close, scratching it behind the ear. She knew better than to argue the point. You? Bitch asked Danny no thank you you don't miss your daughter bitch asked narrowing her eyes a little i do i mean i think i'll see her soon but probably but then take it for now he surrendered in the face of her blunt approach accepting the puppy the kids charlotte said they've already settled in bed but i think they'd love to have a visit with the puppies tell them it's just for a little while they can cuddle but they have to stay in bed Oh, and they don't know how to play with puppies, so be sure to teach them ground rules, okay? Bitch nodded, then marched off with her new mission, the puppies leaping and falling over each other to keep up. Perian? Tattletail asked. Supervise? Parian nodded. She got down from the stool and was joined by Flechette and heading to the back room. Well handled, Tattletail said. She, She paused as the children in the other room started squealing and shouting. Bitch's barked orders could be heard over the racket. "'Doesn't know how to handle this. We're sort of forging new grounds, but I think time's only the thing that's going to mend this wound. I think she's hurting more than anyone right now.' Charlotte nodded. Danny, though, said, "'Isn't that a little presumptuous?' "'I can do presumptuous,' Tattletail said. Just trust me on this count, okay?' Regent and Imp approached from the kitchen, finding spots on the floor of the living room to sit just to the left of the television. They had arms full of snacks, including the little gummy candies Charlotte had been planning to give the kids in their school lunches. She'd figure something else out. Best not to get distracted. The puppies would suffice as treats for the kids right now. Damn it, they're going to ask to keep them, Charlotte thought. She scratched the puppy that now slept in her arms. Groose stretched a hand in the direction of the pair, an unspoken request for one bag of snacks. Imp replied by hurling a small bag of chips at him, with the same sort of movement that might accompany throwing a baseball. It banked off of his helmet and fell behind the couch. Gru grumbled, but he turned around to grab it. Forrest arrived from the bedroom, pausing a second to take in the crowd in the living room. Okay, let's get down to business, Tidletail said. First, Charlotte, we're backing you up on Taylor's behalf. As of now, the boardwalk doesn't fall into just one person's territory. Harry and Gru and I will each have a hand in protecting it. As of tonight, it should be the safest place in the city. That's all already handled. You'll have our numbers in case of emergency, but you should only use it if there's real trouble. Supervillains attacking or something like that. This all goes more smoothly if we don't maintain any obvious connections between our groups that can be exploited. Charlotte nodded. Sierra is working under me. She holds the property and presents our legitimate face to the public. Charlotte glanced at Sierra, who nodded. Property? Charlotte asked. Everything we own in Brockton Bay, through a series of dummy corporations, is officially in her name. That includes the areas in the boardwalk that Coil once controlled. From now on, you can contact us through her for all of the basics. I know Skeeter arranged a way for those who contribute to the restoration of the boardwalk to earn shares of property. Sierra will see to that. In a pinch, you can also talk to her about funding, big projects, and the like, but I don't think it'll come to that. Forrest frowned. Why not? Skidder arranged for her territory to be taken care of, Tattletail said. She left us some money. For food, to pay people. Not a lot, but things should be sustained by the time we run out. There's more, Tattletail said. She had a lot of money to spare. Some from illicit activities. More from the property we acquired and sold. That's going to you. Wait, us? To the boardwalk. She mentioned getting the ferry up and running again, a new set of storefronts, and pushing for more residential areas. Duplexes, apartments, condos. How much? More than enough. Part of the procedures for joining the ward includes a full background check. They'll find she has a lot of money, much of it illicit, and will empty her accounts. It might not be a problem, but I recently changed to a different bank, so to speak, and they're liable to find Skitter's end of the paper trail, Tattletail said. Charlotte nodded. Something to use to take care of yourself, and the kids," Tattletail said. Charlotte thought to what Scott had said. Had Taylor blamed herself after all? Was this a way of making amends? "'Part of the measures we have for defending the boardwalk will be the mercenaries I have on retainer,' Tattletail said. "'Non-powered individuals, though they have experienced fighting capes. They're going to train your people.' "'Train?' "'In hand-to-hand, first aid, firearms, and tactics f- for fighting bigger threats.' Ethan reappeared in the front hall, hands jammed in his pockets. His eyes went wide as he took in the supervillain sitting in the area where he'd been watching TV not twenty minutes ago. Charlotte stood and ushered him towards the bedrooms. Behind her, Forrest said, that seems like it'll cause more problems than it solves. People are resentful. There's already cracks forming. Discipline will help with that, Gru said. Time will help with the rest. It's not perfect, Tattletail said. The rest, we can figure out. What's important is getting the foundation laid out and being ready. Shit's going to go down when villains start making plays for the interdimensional door. Charlotte studied the people who were sitting around the room. Concern, worry, anxiousness. Are we going to make it? Have to, Tidletail said. She turned her head. Bitch was returning from the back room. She had only one puppy with her, the wolf cub. Taylor won't forgive us if we don't. You should know, when I was there. Danny spoke up. Alexandria offered her a hell of a deal. Two years of juvenile detention and leaving the rest of you alone. It wasn't everything she asked for. She said no. Said you trusted her to handle things on your end. I don't want to be offensive, but I couldn't understand it. Still can't. But I thought you should know. She was prepared to leave us to our own devices when she surrendered, Tattletail said. But if she believes in us to that degree, that's another reason we can't fail. There were nods all around. The discussion continued, but fatigue caught up to Charlotte, the same time the details seemed to grow even more trivial. Fitch, for her part, was focused on listening intently, while Danny seemed reserved. Not quite a part of this. Was this influencing his decision? Which way would it, if it did? It was midnight by the time they finished. Exhausted, though they hadn't fought anyone, wary undersiders rose from their seats on the furniture and floors to make their way to the front door. Charlotte accompanied Bitch to the bedroom, making her way to each bunk bed to collect a puppy, despite whispers of protests and whimpers. A tiny heartbreak each step of the way. I'm going to have to get these kids a dog now, she thought, swearing to herself. Puppy therapy, she murmured on her way back to the front hall. Bitch was clipping the leashes onto the puppies. Hmm. Bitch grunted. Does it work? Yes. Bitch said. But it's not enough. I haven't felt like this since... Brutus and Judas. Brutus and Judas? Charlotte didn't recognize the names. That's natural, isn't it? We're people. We need other people close to us. A tog is... fantastic. But it can't fill that void. Charlotte could see a crease in between Bitch's eyebrows, but the look didn't reach her eyes or mouth. Did I say something wrong? Bitch shook her head, but she didn't reply. If you wanted to bring the dogs back, the kids would love it, Charlotte said. And... I'm thinking we'll have to get at least one to keep. I think it could do them a lot of good. And they'd give the puppies more than enough love and care. Bitch's silence extended for long seconds. She looked down at the puppies. Maybe. Maybe. Bitch shrugged. She glowered at the ground. She wanted me to go to the other side. First I'm hearing of this, Drew said, through the portal. Bitch said, police it. Keep that side safe. There wouldn't be anything over there for at least a few weeks or months, Tattletail said. The glowering deepened. That sounds good. All on your own? Charlotte asked, but me and my dogs bitch said then she seemed to think of something maybe we'll figure it out Tattletail said with that done the undersiders departed Danny met Charlotte's eyes decided Danny shook his head could be that she did it for you she said I think even Tattletail was surprised she went over to the other side Danny didn't reply good luck either way you too he answered we survived Forrest said We survived, Charlotte said. You'll be by in the morning? Forrest nodded. She waited until he was gone, then closed the shutter, being careful to lock it. Then she ascended to the top floor, past Skidder's room, with the now empty terrariums and armor stand with her old suit. She reached the top floor where Skidder's belongings had been collected and boxed. Oh, I'd meant to show this to Danny to see if there was anything he'd want to keep or to send to her. She lay in her bed, Skidder's old room, but sleep didn't find her. She was still awake when her alarm buzzed. She rose and managed her way downstairs to the bedroom, checking on the kids. She rose and made her way downstairs to the bedroom, checking on the kids. Jessie's bunk? Dry. No food under Mae's pillow, or at the end of her bed. The girl had taken to hoarding food. Others were asleep, though Ethan's eyes were open, staring. She pulled his covers up a bit, and he smiled in the dark. Aiden was awake, too. I want a dog, he whispered. I know, she whispered back. No nightmares? Not any really bad ones since five nights ago. Five nights ago? Had a good dream. A big dream. About? He shook his head. Can't really remember. Okay, she whispered back. Not a big deal. But you told me to draw things or write them down after a bad dream he said. He pulled a pad of paper from the gap between his bunk and the wall. She looked at it. It didn't look like much of anything. Two scribbles, circles, and dots. These big... fish? I don't remember. I think it started as a bad dream, and then it became better. And these dots are circles? They only covered part of the page. Planets and stars. I only remember because that's how I usually draw them. What do you mean, you only remember? Forgot. Even faster than I usually forget the bad dreams. She frowned. The way he described it, it put her in mind of something. The day Skidder had rescued her. Someone had had a trigger event, and both Skidder and Tattletail had reacted. The way the two had forgotten, and the things Tattletail had mumbled about while she was recuperating. You don't have superpowers, do you? She whispered. Aiden shook his head. You sure? Yes, he said in a very solemn manner. If it wasn't a trigger event, then what? Five nights ago? I know because it was the night Skitter stayed out all night. I woke up a bit after she came in. I was drawing while she made noises in the kitchen. The night Skitter had been outed. Where had she been, and how did it connect? If not a trigger event, the potential to trigger? So many questions, and Skidder was no longer here to answer them. Hey, this is Sunshine Lammy. You've just finished listening to a chapter from ARC 22, Cell, Interlude 22, from the web series Worm by J.C. McRae. This production is brought to you by the Worm Audiobook Project. If you would like to know more about us or to volunteer your own services, please check us out at audioworm.reinonline.org. That's audioworm.rein-online.org. You can download or listen to every chapter directly from our site, or you can find us on iTunes or any podcast app under Worm Audiobook. Thank you for listening!